Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download your apps. Let's go to this week's message in our series on the kingdom, the thing Jesus talked about more than anything else and how this impacts the way we live today. We're on part two of a series on the kingdom of God, but before we get into that, two real quick things. First of all, we announced this last week. For those of you that have been in First Step, you've been trying to finish up First Step, and maybe you need to get part two or part three or something like that, this is your last chance. Today is part two. And this is the last time we'll be doing this version of First Step. We will not be meeting at all in May for First Step. We're going to make some changes, do some rewrites, and get ready for a new version in June. So if you are involved in First Step and you want to finish, today is your last chance for part two. Everybody got that? Cool. 5.30, see you there. Food, child care, no excuses. All right. NFL's not even happening. There's, there's literally nothing that you could do other than come and learn about God. That'd be awesome. Uh, second thing is, as uh, we started last week with this six-week series we're doing, we wanted to start some new life groups to give people a chance to make new friends, to get involved, uh, to find out if this is the church for you, to get the most out of this study about the kingdom of God is when you sit down and talk with other people about what God is saying to you, and, and you do a small group study together. So we are doing six-week groups, and they just began last week, so today is not too late for you to either go on uh, the app, the website, or just drop by the white tent and find out how you can get into a Kingdom of God group. So that is where we are. If you were here for part one, we answered a question. If you were not, I want to bring us all together. And we answered the question, how did we get here? And by here, I mean the messed up world we live in, the brokenness, the sin, uh, uh, Satan seemingly winning. I mean, we, we know as good Christians that God is winning, but sometimes you just watch the news and, and you're kind of like, seriously, God? Are you just waiting for like the fourth quarter comeback? I mean, what's going on? It, it seems like the kingdom of God is so far away in reality. Well, we learned that how we got here was by, well, one thing happened that led to two others. One thing is man sinned. And when man sinned, one of the first things that happened is he gave away the dominion of the earth that God had given him. And that's why life is not perfect. That's why we need to have fly swats now, because we used to be able to tell flies to buzz off. Not anymore. I think they're just like little demons with wings, you know? That's not theology. Don't, don't preach that. And the second thing that happened when, when man sinned is that our relationship with God was broken. So now we've lost that dominion of the earth. Now we've lost our relationship with God. Dominion is gone, relationship is gone, but the good news is God will fix it all in the end. Somebody should say amen for that, right? Come on, yeah? Let me ask you a question, because that amen wasn't very loud. Who's tired of living in the middle while you believe God's going to fix it in the end? I mean, it's okay. Anybody? This is not heresy. You see, we can get so frustrated. It, it, we, we know the end of the book. We know what Revelation says. We know Jesus is going to return and he's going to make everything right. And, and people are good at saying, man, God is going to fix it all someday. And I personally get a little tired of having to wait for someday, especially because we've been waiting now for thousands of years. And so there's a pretty good chance that I will go to heaven before Revelation plays out on earth, which means I could spend my entire life in the middle, waiting on God to fix it all in the end. So what if I were to tell you God's kingdom is here yeah. now? What if I were to tell you that God is fixing it all 
now. Who would like to hear that? Good, because, well, that's the truth, and that's what we're going to get at today. See, as you've heard before, probably if you've been around Grace Life, I, I grew up going to church, and, and so I grew up here in the Sunday school stories, and, and I kind of had a mentality. What I believed was that God would win in the end, but right now he was constantly adjusting to the mistakes of man, and, and, and there was always a new plan. So it, it kind of went like this, plan A, God creates mankind. And God puts them in the Garden of Eden. And then unfortunately, man sins and God has to kick them out. So let's start over. Plan B, put man back all across the earth. Man populates the earth. Man turns to evil. Gosh, why didn't God see that one coming? Got to deal with man, flood the earth, kills most of them. You got a righteous guy named Noah that you're going to give another shot to, him and his family. Didn't quite work. Start over. Plan C, God says, I'll reveal myself to one special guy. He'll have a huge family. His name is Abraham. I'll populate the earth with my people. They'll obey me. The whole earth will see the, the goodness of a God who blesses his people when they obey him. But as we know, that didn't quite work. God allowed his people to be raised up in a nation that was blessing them called Egypt only so that they would eventually become slaves. But this was good because God wanted to show his power and his goodness as he miraculously set them free and sent them into this perfect land that he had created for them. But then they sinned and God had to judge. They were conquered. They were scattered all over the earth and we had to start over. What are we on, plan D? I used to, as a youth pastor, preach we were on plan triple Z, but that was before I ever had some good theology. You see, here's what I want us to understand today. We're on plan A. God is on plan A. We've always been on plan A. Plan A has never been thwarted for one minute. The enemy would love for us to think that plan A was derailed so long ago that God is constantly trying to catch up because you see, it does seem if you just hear the story and then you hear another story and you hear another story and you don't get the big picture of the kingdom of God and what he's doing, it seems to be a never ending story of blessing by God, rejection and rebellion by man, correction by God, new plan. But we're on plan A. And what is that? is to restore everything that was lost in the beginning, to restore his kingdom upon the earth. And well, if you're gonna have a kingdom, you've gotta have a king. And that's where we are today with part two. Now you may say, how do you know, Jimmy, that we're on plan A? Well, because it was the first plan that God ever pronounced and we still see it playing out today. Matter of fact, very back in the beginning is when God said exactly what he would do that he is doing right now. And I want you just to imagine the setting. We're gonna go there in just a moment. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis three with me. But, but here's the setting. We've got the Garden of Eden, we've got God, we've got Adam, we've got Eve, and we've even got Satan. So I want you to imagine, like if I had a time machine, this is the number one thing I'm going back to. I know everybody's kind of got like their dream thing, and, and most people, well, you know, they'd at least feel like the correct answer to say is I want to go back and watch Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount or something like that. That's number two for me. Number one for me is this, because anybody ever been to like Hawaii? You ever been to the Caribbean? You ever been to what you consider the most beautiful place on the earth? Okay, think about this. God created all of that, and yet he put Adam and Eve in the garden, not there. He didn't put Adam and Eve in Hawaii. 
He didn't put Adam and Eve on a Caribbean island. So that means the garden must have been like, oh my gosh, kind of awesome. You guys know what I'm saying? Okay, so first of all, you get to go back and see this perfectly created spot on the earth before it was distorted and gone. That alone would be worth the trip, right? And then you get to watch God himself talk to Adam and talk to Eve and rebuke Satan. I don't know, but I just, I would love to be there. This is right after man sinned. This is right after everything was given away that we read about last week. And so God says to Adam, look, here's the truth. Because you wouldn't obey me and because you sinned, life's going to be hard. This perfect earth that I created that was just naturally going to give to you, not going to do it anymore. You're going to have to work very hard. And you're going to have to subdue to have the dominion that I wanted you to have. That's part one. You can go back and catch that. He turned to Eve and he said, Eve, the most precious thing to you, your heart being connected to those, those little children, that, that heart, well, unfortunately, getting from the, the beginning to seeing them in your hands, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. You're still going to have a heart for them and it's going to be worth it. It's going to be such a heart for them. You're going to forget that pain, but that pain's going to be real. <laughs> well, ladies, come on. Anybody with me here? And then he turned to Satan and here's what he said. Verse 15, I will put enmity. I'll go ahead and let you know. Enmity, if you didn't know what that means, is the greatest hatred of all hatreds. He says to Satan, I will put the greatest hatred of all hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. Who is this talking about? Who is the offspring of woman? Jesus, obviously, God is saying right then and there in the garden, look, I need you to know that there's going to be a human. There's going to be a woman, and she's going to give birth to your destruction. It's plan A. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing it forever. I will continue to do it, and you won't thwart that for one minute. You think you've got it? No, you don't have it. Jesus, the offspring of woman. Now, obviously, we are too. And throughout the series, we're going to talk about where we fit into that a little bit today. Here's the deal. Jesus, Satan struck his heel on the cross. Where did Jesus crush his head? On the cross. Jesus crushed his head on the cross. Jesus crushed his head when he rose again. See, it goes like this. Satan thought that he had won when he got Adam and Eve into sin because he knew we could never fix that. He knew we could never get ourselves out of sin. The Bible says we are trapped in sin. We're born into sin. We're trapped into sin. It's who we are. We are always going to be angry. We're always going to be selfish. We're always going to do what we want to do. We're always going to put ourselves before God. It's our nature. And none of us can ever be perfect enough to get ourselves out of that. So Satan thought that he had us. And Jesus crushed his head when he died on the cross, paying for every single one of our sins, saving all of mankind. Come on, that should get somebody excited here today, right? And so Satan says, okay, well, I'll let you have all of them, but I've still got you. I've got the son of God because you had to die to do that. And then Jesus crushed his head again when he didn't stay dead. He said, not only did I conquer sin, not only did I save my people, but I set them free from death. The power of sin and death. There is no power of sin and death anymore because of Jesus. And yes, Jesus had to suffer the most horrific human death possible on the cross. He struck his heel. And this is for free. It's not in my notes. But since we are the body of Christ, that would make us also the heel. And there is suffering and there is pain in this world because we are the heel. And Satan still, just like any other snake would on the earth today, nips at the heel of someone who walks by. 
It's just part of what it means to live in a fallen world and be part of it. But it would be thousands of years before Jesus would come to implement plan A. Or would it? I need music. Bum, bum, bum. Just like a movie, I want to give you a little backstory. Everybody just imagine we're going back in time and we're going to look at a little something to discover what Jesus has been doing all throughout time. You see, there's a story in the Old Testament and it's of a man named Balaam. And he's actually a pagan prophet who is known to be able to speak a blessing or a curse and it worked. And so he was hired by the king of Moab. His name was Balak. And because God's people had been conquering as they went around because God was going to give them the promised land. And the king of Moab watched one of his friends fall and the kingdom was gone. He watched the next friend king fall and his kingdom was gone. And he said, we're soon to come. We need to do something. And somebody says, hey, how about this guy named Balaam? He can speak a curse and it works. So the king of of Moab, Balak, he says, let me try to hire this guy. And so all of Moab was in fear as the people of God swept over the earth, garnering one victory after another on their way to possess this promised land that God had for his people. So Balaam came. He was hired to speak a curse. But every time he opened his mouth to curse the Israelites, unfortunately, a blessing came out. And as you might imagine, this would infuriate a king who was paying quite well. So he led Balaam to another peak, and he said, maybe if you get a different viewpoint, maybe they look a little worse from here. Let's go up on this mountain, and let's see them from there, and maybe there you will curse. But instead, blessing came out again. This happened four times, infuriating over and over the king. And during one of these episodes, as recorded in Numbers 23, Balaam cried out to the king, They cannot be cursed. There's a cry of a king among them. A king? They don't have a king. They've got a Moses. Have you heard of Moses? He's not perfect. He's a sinner, and the only thing he can do is what you tell him to do. He's a prophet. He's nothing more than a prophet. But Balaam says, every time I open my mouth, To curse, a mighty king lifts up his voice and shouts, and then nothing but blessing flows from my lips. There's a king among them, but nobody can see him. But he's there. Who is this king? Jesus. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the pre-incarnate Christ, unseen by man, but standing in the midst of his people, yearning for the day when he might take on human flesh and face the powers of darkness head on is God's divine revolutionary and establish his father's kingdom on earth once again. It will cost him dearly, but he will succeed in the mission, plan A, that was pronounced thousands of years before to crush Satan's head. He will do plan A. All throughout the Old Testament, we are constantly told that our king is moving, our king exists, our king is bringing a kingdom. Check this out. We hear about this at Christmas time. For to us, a child is born. We're so busy thinking about Christmas presents and trees. Sometimes we miss out on how incredibly powerful this is for our lives today. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government. We're starting to talk kings and kingdoms here. Are y'all catching this? And of peace, there will be no end. Wait a minute, I thought he died. I thought it ended. I thought he went to heaven. I thought it ended. I thought we're waiting on him to bring it back. 
But it says on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. There will be no end. That's absolutely right. You mean this Jesus, he will come with the kingdom and it will stay and it will keep increasing? Yes, that's what it says. I thought it stopped increasing. I thought Jesus died. I thought the kingdom took a little break while we're waiting on Jesus to come back someday and the rest of us just have miserable lives waiting on something. No, it says of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Every day gets brighter and brighter as the kingdom of God comes upon the earth. The devil would love for you to look at the news and say, it's not getting brighter. You know why? Because the news is never gonna say, and now for our segment about what God is doing upon the earth. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that's not there? But I promise you it is there. It is there. It is there. I have a friend in America, a pastor, who is father, a spiritual father to a house church network in other parts of the world. And in his house church network alone, 2.1 million Muslims came to faith last year. That's not on CNN, but God in his kingdom is moving upon the earth. Maybe that's why Daniel saw this. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. (laughs) This is cool. And to him was given dominion. We're talking kings and kingdoms. Are you getting this? And glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. That is our king and that is our kingdom. You see, if Jesus is your king personally, you're a member of that kingdom. Because the Bible tells us this, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And this is one of the biggest mistakes that we make in understanding how this works because we believe there's a kingdom of darkness that is where witches and Satan worshipers hang out. And we believe there's a kingdom of God which is where pastors and really religious people with at least three church bumper stickers on their car, they hang out there and they're a little strange. And then there's just this rest of the place where we hang out. It's like a middle earth kind of kingdom like all of you Lord of the Rings fans. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is just where we good, just normal people who love French fries and double cheeseburgers, or I guess a veggie burger too, for some of you. And we just hang out here and we're not sure yet if we want Jesus to be our King. It's okay. Cause we're still just good, a good red blooded American kind of thing. This is just where we live. The Bible tells us that does not exist. That doesn't exist. We are legally born into the kingdom of darkness. This is one of the hardest truths for us. I I went to church for 16 years of my life, living in a Christian home, and and I did not know I was in the kingdom of darkness. See, we're legally born a prisoner to fallen humanity. So unless you somehow were born to perfect humanity, which does not exist from a perfect human, which did not exist, and you were perfect, which cannot be, you were born a legal member of the kingdom of darkness. And it's the day that I say, I want Jesus to be my king, that he reaches down and takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and puts us in the kingdom of God. And we become members of this eternal, everlasting kingdom that is increasing because our king's government is increasing. We're not waiting for something to come someday. And so hopefully you're going to ask the question, so what does this mean for me today? Something else Daniel said is what this means for us today. In the days of those kings, that means when men ruled the earth, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. 
and that kingdom, catch what's underlined, that kingdom will not be left for another people. No, that kingdom will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, every kingdom which rules upon the earth, every government that stands in opposition to God, every ideology, every philosophy, every belief system, every false religion, every materialistic thing that stands in opposition to the kingdom of God, all these kingdoms will be crushed but it itself will endure. I'm a little more fired up than you guys are. I don't know if it's because I've been up way longer or what, but somebody needs to get a lot more excited that you are part of this on the earth. Check out this diagram that will help us understand what's going on. Because you know, I didn't write the Bible. How cool is it that God used these words? God used these words. We will have a king and that king will come and on the cross, he will crush the head of Satan, and that king will come upon the earth, and of the increase of his government, there will be no end. It will be forevermore that he will produce a kingdom, and that kingdom, which includes you and me, will crush all the kingdoms of the earth. Think about that for a minute. One of the biggest mistakes we make is that we believe we're just waiting. We live in the middle, and if the end would ever come, if God would just do something, we're just waiting. For Jesus to come back. We're just waiting to go to heaven. We're just waiting for God to do what God said he'll always do and finally fix this stuff. We're just waiting for God to bring his kingdom upon the earth. We need to stop waiting because here's what John the Baptist said when, when he knew Jesus was coming. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You don't say something is at hand if it's over there and you've got to take 10 steps to go get it. You say it's at hand because you can reach down and you can grab it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. It is now. And we know that for hundreds of years, prophets have been saying Jesus will come. He will bring it and it will not end. It's not a temporary stay. It's not going to go back to heaven and wait on Jesus to show up someday and finally fix stuff and everybody else lives in the miserable middle. No, there's no such thing as a miserable middle if you read the Bible. Because his kingdom is here and now. That is who he is. We're not just waiting. We're not just waiting. God is crushing. Y'all get that word? Y'all say that with me. Crushing. God is crushing the kingdoms of darkness. We're not just waiting. He is crushing the kingdoms of the world. He is crushing everything that stands in opposition to him. That's us because we are members of his kingdom. I wanna change how we see ourselves today because what we need to understand is we are kingdom of darkness crushing members of the kingdom of God. That's who we are and that's what needs to change. We're not just waiting, we're supposed to be crushing. Think about that, think about your life. Think about your lifestyle and you're just waiting for Jesus to come back. You're waiting to go to heaven and you just go to church on occasion, maybe once every seven days to be really good at it. No, we're supposed to be crushing, not waiting. Look at that. It's the kingdom of God. See, I told you the offspring of woman was Jesus and you and me because we are members of the kingdom. What that means is what Jesus does, he does through his kingdom. He's the king. And we've got to get this mentality that we are kingdom of darkness, crushing members of God's kingdom. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. What are we doing individually? Let me ask it this way. What are you doing 
to crush the kingdoms of the world that try to rule your life? What are we doing to crush the kingdom of darkness that tries to rule our life? Do you even realize that's the struggle? Do you understand that everything in you that rises up that says, do this, and the little voice and said, no, don't do this, it's not of God. Every one of those things, every temptation, that's exactly what's going on. It is a struggle for one of these other kingdoms to rule you instead of the kingdom of God. That's what's going on. That late night internet habit. It's about the kingdom of darkness trying to rule your soul. Are you going to tolerate it? Or are you going to crush it? That person you won't forgive. It's about the kingdom of darkness trying to rule your soul. Are you going to tolerate it? Or are you going to crush it? That desire for material things to get you thinking you're fulfilled when you have stuff that you can touch on this world. And the newer the stuff, the better. And the brand name, even better. And the more it costs, even better. Because it makes you feel like something because you got something on this earth. That is about the kingdom of darkness trying to rule your soul. Are you going to tolerate it? Or are you going to crush it? You guys are not into this with me. I'm just telling you. Maybe the next service. That selfishness that controls your schedule, your priorities, and your finances, I have to tell you, but selfishness, by the way, is a kingdom of this world. When we say me first in any way, me first, I will not forgive you. Me first, I will not serve him. Me first, my time should be on me. Me first, my money is for me. Me first, it's a kingdom of this world. Are we going to tolerate it? Or are we going to crush it? The fear that dominates your life is about the kingdom of darkness trying to rule your soul. Are you going to tolerate it? Or are you going to crush it? The anxiety and the worry that keeps you from going to sleep at night and gives you those horrible thoughts and, and that panic attack the minute that you wake up in the morning. It's the kingdom of darkness trying to rule your soul. Are you going to tolerate it? Are you going to crush it? You see, if you've been around Grace Life for any period of time, you've heard stories from my wife and myself about our marriage. You see, we knew that we were called to do ministry long before we met each other. You know how we met each other? She was my translator while I preached. And then we got all focused on what was wrong with each other. And our marriage began to be very, very difficult because we even began to think maybe God had put us together with the wrong person. So we began to think God had made a mistake and we had made a mistake and the other person was a mistake and we blamed each other for everything the other one needed to do to change. And we just spiraled more and more down into the kind of thinking the enemy loved. And it was many, many years before I got to walk in what God had called me to do because I was tolerating the kingdom of darkness ruling my soul. Do you guys get that? Because we did not see that that's what the struggle was. We thought the struggle was that we didn't speak the same language, that we were from different worlds, that we had different understandings, or we just thought the struggle was that the other person was always wrong. Come on, married people, y'all know what I'm talking about. No, what we had to do is eventually wake up and realize the struggle we face is not about you and me. It is about the kingdom of darkness, trying to make sure that we don't understand what God has called us to do in the kingdom of God. Second question, what are we doing as a church to crush the kingdoms of this world? What are we doing as a church to crush the kingdoms of the world? I, I, I've got good news to report. <laughs> I don't know how well we did at answering the first question, 
but uh, we're doing some good stuff on this one. I don't know if you know this. Probably don't, because I just found out this week. As of this week, 14 weeks into 2018, we have seen as many people give their life to Jesus this year in 14 weeks as we did all last year. Come on, that's worth celebrating. And you know how that happens? Even in a building you can't find behind CrossFit truck tires that are a little confusing and in a warehouse you're a little afraid to go into, God has already brought 105 families here in 14 weeks for the first time. Imagine what God's going to do there when we move in about 14 weeks. Pretty close. Don't, don't quote me on it, but close. Construction, you know how that goes. You see, the only way that you can see that many people give their lives to Christ is you've got to have people who have not yet given their life to Christ come. That's why that number matters. You may say, who cares how many people come for the first time? Well, because if it's just you and me and we just keep doing this forever, then we aren't reaching our community, are we? Let me tell you a really cool story. This happened last Sunday. I have a guy in our church named Jeff, and, and Jeff just loves talking to people. Jeff can talk to anybody, anytime. Jeff really should get a job as a salesman. I don't actually know what he does for a living, but he'd be a really good salesman. Anyway, because he just loves talking to people. And so we had one of those new families that hasn't been around very long, and, and Jeff just started talking to the, the, the man in the family and, and was just starting a conversation and said, hey, you know, if you're interested, I, I wouldn't mind getting together with you every now and then. I think he must have listened to something somebody preached recently. That was my little I told you so, but y'all can still love me. And so he got together with this guy last week and, and he was talking to him and he said, have you actually ever made Jesus your king? And so then this man comes Sunday night after meeting with Jeff, he comes to first step and I'm talking about first step and, and talking about some of the same stuff we're talking about right here. And he, he, he asked me, uh, I'm not really sure what this means. I, I don't know if I've done it. And then he begins to tell me about his time talking with Jeff. And I said, well, why don't we answer Jeff's question right now? And I told him what it means that Jesus died for you and then rose again to forgive you of your sins and you commit your life to him. Because if I could just take this moment, he was saying some things that most of us say. I said it for many years because, again, I grew up in church and I thought that I was doing most of the right stuff. He said, well... You know, I said, well, have you done that? When Jeff asked, have you made Jesus your king? And he said, well, I don't know. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and help you with this. If the answer is I don't know, no. Because <laughs> it's a life-changing declaration. But here's why he said, I don't know, that's gonna matter to so many of you because so many of us say the same things. Well, you know what? I, I wanna honor God with my life and, and I, I, I come to church and, and I you know, do most of the things I know God would want me to do. I mean, I'm not perfect. I've made some mistakes, but I, I try to be good toward God. But that doesn't mean you've ever said, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. And you literally understand that the blood shed when Jesus hung on the cross, every drop of it was for you. Every drop of it's for you. Every life group is an opportunity to crush the kingdoms of darkness that rule somebody's life. As you sit in a circle and you share what's going on and you're vulnerable and you talk about the struggles you have and you ask somebody there to pray for you and we begin to pray for each other and we begin to fight for each other. Every 
youth meeting where students come in and talk about how difficult it is to stand for Jesus in the world today, in their culture, in their generation, in their schools, and they say, pray for me, and this is what I'm facing every Sunday in G-Kids. Did you know we see children making Jesus their king in G-Kids? Every local outreach, every national and international trip we're going to do this year, every worship service, because we keep seeing people make Jesus their king every Sunday morning. As a church, we are crushing the kingdoms of darkness that rule this world. Yes. The truth is, we're doing a lot as a local church. Yet, we know we're not all fully engaged. Is it okay for me to say that? Not everybody did what Jeff did last week. Not everybody got together in a small group and said, can you help me with what I struggle with? Can you pray for me with this? Now, here's what I want you to think about. Take every number we just said and multiply it by whatever would be the multiplier if we all got fully engaged. And I don't know what that is because I'm not going to be the judge. I'm not going to say, well, maybe half of us are engaged. What if we doubled? Well, then those numbers would double. I don't know, maybe a fifth of us are engaged. If we all got into it, we'd have uh, uh, five times what we, what we have seen so far this year. Maybe only a tenth of us. I don't know what the number is. And it doesn't matter because you can't change the person sitting beside you. This people seated, seated in this section, we're not gonna have like a rally and a chant how you're better than this section over here. Uh, I mean, I, no, I'm just kidding. It doesn't work that way. No, what happens is when every single one of us says, I'm a member of the kingdom. I will crush the kingdoms of darkness. I will go and talk to that person. I will invite those people. I will pray for my neighbor. I will, I will. Now, in order for us to do that, it comes down to one final question, and then I'm done. This is your takeaway today. This is what I want you to get. How do you see yourself? Simple question. Do you see yourself? as a kingdom of darkness crushing member of the kingdom of God. Do you see yourself as a kingdom of darkness crushing member of the kingdom of God? Or do you see yourself as Satan would most definitely prefer? A mere human. Hoping for heaven. Trying to be good enough. Waiting for heaven. Waiting for God to do something so that you don't have to because you don't think you can. Just trying to survive life on a broken earth in a job you hate. Maybe with a marriage you think can't be fixed. Probably believing life is mundane and meaningless. How do you see yourself? God says, I rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into my kingdom. And through you, through you, a, an elementary teacher, through you, a drill sergeant, through you, a car salesman, through you, a medical student, through you, a high school student. I will crush kingdoms that stand opposed to me. I want you to say this with me. 
I am a kingdom of darkness crushing member of the kingdom of God. I want you to say this. Let's say it together. I am a kingdom of darkness crushing member of the kingdom of God. Okay, about three of you believe it. About 20 of you mumbled it. Come on. Our king crushed the head of Satan on the cross. Our kingdom is upon the earth. Let's say it like we mean it. Say it with me. I am a kingdom of darkness crushing member of the kingdom of God. Yeah. I'm glad somebody's excited. See, if Jesus is your king, that's who you are. And that is your kingdom. And you know what Satan's greatest fear is? That you'd figure that out. I want to close today by talking to those of you that, well, you have not made Jesus your king. It is just really simple. You have not yet said, I surrender. I've been living in my kingdom with me as king. Jesus, I want you to be my king. Because here's the truth. You cannot be a kingdom of darkness crushing member of the kingdom of God if Jesus is not your king. That's how it works. So if you have never made that exchange, it does not matter how many times you've come to church. It does not matter how much you've tried to honor God. It does not matter how much you've read your Bible and said, I want to be a good person. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is that moment when you can say, I know that I said, Jesus, I surrender to you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to stand up or come down front. We're all going to pray right where we're seated. Join me. Say something like this to yourself and to God, Lord Jesus. Please be my king. I want you to be my king. Thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.